no matter their wrongdoings, as long as they will believe and devote their lives to Christ. As Saul draws near to Damascus to persecute these Jewish followers of the way, Saul is struck by a heavenly light and addressed by a heavenly voice. This voice belongs to no one other than Jesus himself. This shows that Jesus is always, always has a presence with us. There's always a call to, call to our true selves, who we are in our relationship to our creator. At this encounter, Saul is blinded by the heavenly light, and Jesus begins to talk to him. Jesus asks, why are you persecuting me? This question sparks a realization in Saul of what is the why behind his actions. Saul, as a Pharisee, would have believed that his actions were defending the faith and honor of the Israel, Israel's God. When struck by this light and down on the floor, he may have very well been expecting to respond as the bush did before Moses. I am who I am. But that is not what he hears. Instead, the voice responds, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. I'm not giving any time for Saul or even us as the reader to digest this thought of who Saul is talking with. Jesus gives elliptical instructions. Get up, go into the city, and wait for more details. Saul, Saul's first following of Christ is his willingness to do what Jesus tells him to do. So Saul gets up, enters Damascus, led by the men traveling with him. For three days, Saul is blind and fast not eating nor drinking. This coming to Christ story is one of redemption, or a turn story, a saving story. In our world, especially in sports, we've seen a few redemption stories lately, with Virginia winning the national championship after losing to a 16th seed the previous year, Tiger Woods coming back from many legal issues and multiple back surgeries to win the Masters, and finally, every person that makes the proclamation of faith to follow Jesus and to spread God's word. During my coming to Christ, I experienced many ups and downs, I'd always been raised in the church, as my grandfather was a pastor. During the years that I went to my grandfather's church, I always acknowledged Jesus' re resurrection as something that took place, but never really looked deeper into God's word and wanted to spread it. The first time I saw God working in my life was after my grandfather's passing, with all the support from the community and our church. But after the surge of Christ-like behavior, I did not see Christ for a long time. I was always questioning God about my grandfather and was always thinking, does God really love me? Finally, when I started attending Huguenot Road Baptist Church, I witnessed God again through the welcome and support of the congregation. This support, this support never ceased as I continued to go clo grow closer to God through the children's ministry and the youth ministry. After seeing God and Jesus in these many ways, I made my profession of faith, seeing God as a creator, a father, or a redeemer, as well as recognizing that Jesus, the Son of God, was resurrected from the dead on the third day. From my profession of faith to now, I've continued to witness God's greatness and work in our world and has seen what Jesus' love has done in the lives of others. Jesus is always there for us, as he was for Saul. Jesus will always pursue those who do not believe while accompanying those who do believe. And Jesus will never stop calling us to do what we believe and will continue to follow God's will. Speaking of Jesus coming, Colin, perhaps in hearing this story you identify more closely with Ananias. I know I certainly have. God calls Ananias to a task, but his first reaction is to run away. How often in the Bible do we see this, God's people running away from God's call and plan? We see this demonstrated in the book of Exodus when Moses refuses to go speak before Pharaoh because of a stutter and the personal conviction that when he speaks, the people will not listen. We see this in the book of Jonah when God calls Jonah to witness to the city of Nineveh. Afraid of what God can accomplish, Jonah runs the opposite direction of his destination. However, it is important to realize that despite our best efforts, God's way, 
God's plan will prevail. And it is God's preference is for us to be a part of these works. Moses becomes the chosen one to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Jonah saves the Ninevites from destruction. And Ananias confronts Saul, a persecutor of Christians, and prays over him and restores his sight. There have been many times as a Christian I felt like Ananias. The fact that I'm up here preaching this morning is one example. However, a more significant example comes from a few years ago when I was in middle school. A fellow senior and friend, Josh Rao, told me about our annual mission trip to Owsley County. He asked me if I was interested in going, and I said, no. And as he kept pestering me, I eventually gave him a standard church answer, I'll pray about it. However, over time, many others who have previously been on this trip told me how much of a transformative experience it was and how much they loved serving in Owsley. Despite my initial reaction to run away and say no, I was right where God wanted me, and I decided to go. It was indeed a transformative experience for me, and I'm proud to say I've been back every year since. In hindsight, it is obvious that God wanted me to go on this trip, despite what I thought was right for me. Often in our lives, we are called to serve God's purposes and plan, but how frequently do we respond by saying no or running away or saying we will pray about it, but never actually stop to listen to what God has to say to us? How many times have you reacted like I did, and like Ananias, and Joah, Jonah, and Moses, where God called you, but you were reluctant to obey? I find that many times we refuse God because we are afraid and do not believe we are right for the job. We see Ananias come up with excuses, and we see his fear of Saul outpace his trust in the Lord. Often we fear God's will because it is not in line with our own plans, or ideas, or preconceived notions of somebody else. God's call leads us to make a difference in the lives of others, quite often in a way that we could not possibly predict. When God calls us, we are called to serve others. It could be local in the heart of our community, like being in the nursery to care for the children or helping a friend during a troubled time. Or it could be a career-changing call, such as pastoral ministry or missionary work. God knows where we are meant to be, and our step of obedience could just be the planting, pruning, watering, or harvesting of someone's faith. Finally, I believe this passage leaves us with a call to actions. Many Christians, myself included, make excuses for not wanting to serve when we are called. We assert that we are too young, we are too old, we are too busy, and we just don't want to serve. However, despite what we think, God knows where we need to be, and I implore us as a church to learn from Ananias. When God calls us to serve, instead of making excuses and running away, may we respond to God with a resounding, Yes, Lord, here I am, send me. Um, today, I will be focusing on the ending section of the passage, verses 17 through 21. Um, in these verses, Ananias chose to do what the Lord had asked of him, going to the place where Saul was residing and healing him through the power of Jesus. Saul, upon receiving the Lord's blessing, made the remarkable decision to completely turn his life around. He was baptized into the church immediately, and he began to spread the word of Christ, even the face, in the face of those who questioned his commitment to the word. This passage shows us how rewarding it can be to follow God's call. Even though we may be reluctant, like Ananias, or we may have it thrust upon us, like Saul, in the end we get the ultimate reward, eternal life in heaven. But that doesn't mean that following the call is only rewarding in the end. Doing what God asks of you reaps so many rewards in this life. Following God's call is difficult. It can make you anxious, or upset, or even angry if the call isn't exactly what you were expecting. Oftentimes, though, it's exactly what you need. 
Last summer, I was called by God and a long line of family members to become a camp counselor at Camp Akiwana, a Christian camp that serves underprivileged inner-city youth. Although I was very excited when I got the job, as I got closer to the summer, I got more and more anxious. I had never been asked to share my faith with anyone, and I had pretty much just kept it to myself up to that point, and now I was being employed to share it with a group of 9 to 11-year-old, highly impressionable young girls. As the week approached, I began to silently regret applying to work at the camp because I believed there was absolutely no way I could shape these girls the way I was supposed to. But I had made a commitment, so I went into the week with my hopes moderately low, unsure of what to expect. My fellow cabin counselor, Dorcas, was in charge of leading Bible study with our cabin every morning, and the other counselors and I would sit and try to keep the girls focused, not really contributing to the conversation, more doing crowd control. For the first three days, it was an absolute wreck. The girls had no interest in learning anything about the Bible, and they would complain through the entirety of Bible study every day, to the point where the assistant camp director would have to come to our group every morning to help keep them in control. So the cabin counselors got together, and we sat down, and we prayed about it, and we decided that the best thing we could do was let the girls take the reins. Starting the next day, the Bible study would be focused around what they felt led to talk about, and we would roll with the punches and try to make it through what felt like the longest hour of the day. The first day was really rough because the girls were seeking structure where there wasn't one, and they were reluctant to open up to us and to each other. But eventually they began to get more comfortable, and the Bible study became a time of fellowship for our cabin, with some help from the prescribed passages instead of a time of strict studying of the Bible. On the last full day of camp in Bible study, we prepare for a ceremony held on the last night of camp called the Promise Ceremony. We read the kids the story of Noah's Ark and talk about the promise God made to Noah with the rainbow. Then we help the kids each write a promise that they intend to keep when they get home. Most promises are something small, like helping their parents with the dishes. But um, at the promise ceremony, each kid reads their promise out loud to the rest of the campers and the counselors, solidifying the promise to God and to others. Our kids decided they didn't want us to know what their promises were ahead of time. They wanted to surprise us, which given how the week had gone so far, was a bit anxiety-inducing. Um, we got up in front of the camp, and my fellow counselors and I were very nervous to see what the kids were going to say, and three of my campers promised to read their Bible more. Although that may seem small, many of these kids who come to camp have never been introduced to any kind of Bible or church before. They don't grow up going to church with their families on Sunday mornings, and this is their first experience with it. And when they promised to read their Bible more, in that moment, I knew that God had put me exactly where he needed me, because even though it hadn't gone exactly how we had hoped or planned, we had used that once dreaded hour every morning to bring those children closer to him. Knowing that made all of the anxiety and fear dissipate, and it made every minute I spent with those children that week seem so much more important. God was showing me that he knew what he was doing when he called me to Camp Akiwana, but just like Saul and Ananias, I needed to listen and I needed to follow. And when I did, God showed me that I had done the right thing. When God calls you, and do not think that you are exempt, will you be ready to listen, and will you be willing to obey?